This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Well, I think Adam Silver was hoping for the Lakers and the Celtics instead. It looks like he's going to get, you know, the Nuggets and the Heat. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. We're on Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Freddie Coleman in for the guys today. We welcome in the host of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Chris Canty joins the conversation now. Chris, you know, I'm a Nuggets fan. I grew up in Denver. Uh, have a 3 nothing series lead. I don't know if you've um, uh, realized that. I don't know if you've been watching the wow. series at all. Um, <laughs> wow. But uh, So I'm trying to decide um, Section 302 for Game 1 of the Finals at Ball Arena. 870 bucks. Do I want those with my dad, or do I want to sit a little bit closer? Like Section 202, I could get like 2100 a piece. That's 2100 a piece. I think is pretty expensive. What What would you pay for an NBA Finals ticket to watch your team? You know, oh, assuming your oh, team Hammer, could get listen, there go, someday. Hammer, yeah. Hammer, listen. Go ahead and splurge for the once in a lifetime opportunity. Sit mm-hmm. a little close to the court. Spend 2100 dollars and have a front row seat to Jimmy Bucket. Cutting the heart out of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and <laughs> yeah. the Nuggets. Why wouldn't you want to do that? In that all seriousness, a great time to me. <laughs> you guys, in all seriousness, it's a tough call because, like, if you're buying a concert ticket, like, I'm pretty darn sure that Lady Gaga or whatever is going to bring it. Like, you buy a ticket to a game, Chris, I might see Jokic hit a half-court buzzer beater in the greatest game in NBA history. I might see Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent go off for 30 apiece and my team lose. So it's a little bit of a risk. It's a bit of a gamble to spend this much money on a ticket to a big game. <laughs> yeah, but scared money never made no money. And if you're excited about your team, and you probably should be if you're a Nuggets fan, then go for it. You go into this thing believing that your team is going to come out on the winning side of it. Now, that being said, it's hard to ignore what we've seen from Jimmy Butler. I don't think anybody's arguing that he's had the best postseason of any player in the entire NBA this year. Like, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Playoff Jimmy is a real thing, and I know people hate the term heat culture, but there's no other way to explain how they're doing what they're doing. They got four undrafted guys in the playoff rotation right now. I, I, I don't I don't know how to explain it other than to say that the culture and the tone set by Jimmy Butler and the front office is what has allowed this team to squeeze every ounce of potential out of everybody they got on that roster. How do you explain Anthony Davis being so up and down? I can't explain EKGAD. And at this point, Freddie C., I'm ready to apply that same moniker to Jason Tatum. Ooh. I want to call him EKGJT. I mean, last night, that was that was an embarrassment. You and Jalen Brown combined for 26 points in a gotta-have-it game three? That was just an embarrassment. But back to AD, listen, I've never seen a quieter 28-18 and 18 than I saw in game three. And that's a Lakers team that had everything to play for. You know, they say a series doesn't start until a road team wins a game. So it's not as if the Lakers were out of it and just – the fact that they weren't able to put more distance between themselves and the Nuggets in that third quarter when Jokic picks up his fourth foul with about seven minutes to go, I think they come out of that stretch and they only have a one-point lead, and then when Jokic comes back in, the Nuggets promptly go on a 13-0 run. Those are the types of things that cost you an opportunity to compete for a championship, and you would hope that with Jokic on the bench, Anthony Davis can be the difference in terms of the Lakers being able to dominate both ends of the court. But this series just hadn't played out that way. And for whatever numbers that AD has put up in the first three games, and I guess I'm specifically talking about game one when he goes for 40 and 10 in game three, it still hasn't seemed to measure up to what Jokic has done. 
And that's probably the most disheartening part. You're talking about a guy that's that essentially gotten bullied by Jokic, and the Denver Nuggets aren't going anywhere. So when we start to assess what this season has meant for LeBron, AD, and the Lakers, the biggest takeaway that I have is that I'm not sure Rob Lincoln and Darvin Ham can do enough to reshape this team in order to get them on the Nuggets level. Chris Canty is with us here. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Aaron Goldhammer, Freddie Coleman. How do you feel about the prospect of Kyrie Irving being a Laker? I don't feel great about it. We we couldn't tell at all. What a a sigh that was. We might have to capture that audio and play that back for you. You sound thrilled with this question. (laughs) I, I just don't know. I just don't know what other choices they have because they don't have any future draft picks. Remember, they gave up their last tradable first round draft pick in order to to get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell and to ship Russell Westbrook off to Utah. Like they they don't have a lot of ways to improve this team. They don't have a ton of cap space, and you got to deal with Austin Reeves being uh, a free agent and, and trying to resign that guy. I, I just I don't know that they can they can swing it. Um, in terms of the Kyrie move, I, I think if they do go after Kyrie, I mean, he's a guy that can shoot the lights out of the basketball. He's got the best finish package of any guard in the entire league, um, especially at the, I mean, at the rim. So I, I just, it would be a welcome addition, but you have to wonder with Kyrie Irving, what kind of baggage is he going to bring along with him to LA? Or are you going to get the best version of him? I, I would trust that if LeBron signs off on it, and LeBron is confident that he can get the best version of Kyrie Irving. But, I, 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 again, I, I mean, dropping into him into the mix, I, I don't know that that's going to, again, put the Lakers um, on that same level as the Denver Nuggets. But quite frankly, guys, I don't see any of the other teams in the Western Conference being at that same level going into next year. What does your gut tell you about maybe just maybe LeBron's not going to win another championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to grips with that reality, Freddie C. And it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. I get that you can't tear it all down um, when your team makes a run to the conference finals and you almost owe it to LeBron to see it through and to do everything you can while you have him in the twilight of his career. But I think this postseason has showed us that uh, Father Time is starting to catch up to him. You know, he's got those commercials with him beating up on Father Time. Well, the short league didn't look like that in the Nugget Series. Mm-hmm. looked like Father Time was giving him that business. And, and uh, again, you're not going to get a better version of LeBron James in year 21 than you got in year 20. And you're still talking about a guy that missed a month of the season in the second half due to injury. You're not going to get a better version of Anthony Davis than what you saw over the last four months. And we're talking about a guy that's had to deal with significant injuries throughout the course of his tenure as a Laker. So your two key cogs have been injury prone, and they're going to be a year older. Doesn't necessarily bode well for the team's outlook for the upcoming season. But what's the alternative? The alternative is not something that's plausible. You're not going to strip it down. You're not going to trade AD. So you have to try to improve within the margins. And if you can make a move for Kyrie Irving, if he's willing to take less, then you take that on knowing that you don't have a whole lot of other ways to get better. We'll get to some breaking news from the NFL here with Chris Canty in just a second. It's bad news if you like to attend your home team's football games. So we'll get to that here in a minute. But, you know, Chris, I'm I'm always antsy to say on the air that players or a team quit. 
Because, like, what I don't even know necessarily what that means, and I feel like it's a really big indictment of a player or a team, but I also heard Hall of Famers on TNT say last night that the Celtics quit. So you've been in a locker room like that. Is it... Is it a fair characterization of the Celtics to say that they quit? And what are the consequences of it? I don't know that the Celtics quit, guys. I don't. I think you're talking about a team that's lost confidence in their head coach, being able to give them a game plan that they can go out there and have a path to success. And if players don't trust, if the players collectively don't trust that the coach is putting them in position to win, then you're you're going. It, let me say it this way: if they if the co- players don't trust that, then it makes it hard to give max effort. It makes it hard to have, you know, complete buy-in, and that's what it takes once you get to these rounds in order to advance. And I think that's what we're starting to see in this series. It's obvious that Coach Spo is running circles around Joe Missoula. That that's happening. There there are no answers. Spoh pushing all the right buttons, and Joe Mazzulla can't figure out, you know, whether the heat are coming or going. And as a player, if you're Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or any of those other guys, it's it's hard to, to go out there with the right mentality if you're uncertain that the coach is – his plan is going to allow you to have success. That's why you see guys playing slow. That's why you see so much uncertainty when it comes to their offensive possessions in the half court. That's why guys don't seem as dialed in defensively. When guys don't have shots that are falling on offense when they're not getting open looks, that frustration carries over to the defensive end. So I think you you saw all of those things at play in game three, and that's why I think this series is over with and the Miami Heat don't have to worry about going back to Boston. I I just believe that they have lost confidence in Joe Mazzula, which begs the more interesting question for Brad Stevens. do you decide to move on from Joe Mazzulla, even though you gave him a contract extension this year because of how ugly this ending of your postseason run looks? So what would your answer be if you were in that position there, Chris? Yeah, I would do it. I think you have some viable alternatives. You, you got Nick Nurse out there. You got Monty Williams out there. Um, I, I don't think they're in line for a Doc Rivers reunion. But you've got some other season coaches that have done high-level winning um, that would seem to make sense. And I think from a culture standpoint, would fit what the Boston Celtics need. As far as an X's and O's tactician, it's hard to find better than what Nick Nurse is bringing to the party. So I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. I know he's in the running for the Sixers job, but I think that would be a good fit for the Boston Celtics as well. Uh, in terms of being able to help those two superstars mesh a little bit better and so they can go from being a good tandem to being a great tandem. We're still waiting on that promise to be fulfilled. I think it takes the right head coach to push it over to the top. We got a glimpse of it with Emil Doka last year, Mm -hmm. but this this team has regressed. I think having the right person in that seat can get get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown back to the NBA Finals. Adam Schefter of ESPN, Chris, reporting that the Thursday night football flex passed at the owners' meetings today in Minneapolis oh boy. by a final vote of 24 to 8. Um, now, there are a lot of provisions here. They have to give fans 28 days notice to move a game from a Thursday to a Sunday or a Sunday to a Thursday. It's only allowed for weeks 13 through 17, and also... 
uh, a team cannot play two Thursday night road games in a season. Chris, uh, you know, how does the NFL weigh what's best for their TV partners in, you know, exchange with fans who are making travel plans? And I mean, because when that schedule comes out, I know just being here in Cleveland, like fans are booking hotel rooms and airfares now for games that they're planning on going to in November and December. Yeah, Amber, I'm with you, and uh, I, I feel for those fans because they're frustrated, but the reality is the NFL is catering to, you know, where their money is, where their bread is buttered, and that's ultimately the TV money. You know, that, that the TV revenue overwhelmingly drives the sport more so than ticket revenue, ticket sales, and concessions, and so the NFL is going to make decisions that are dictated in the best interest um, of 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 that of that concept, so I just I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I think the 28 days notice is generous. Yeah, I mean fans might not like the fact that they they might have to change their travel plans or they might have to scrap their trip altogether. But they wouldn't have any problem offloading their tickets. People always want to buy NFL tickets, so there's that part of it. And 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 yeah, the inconvenience of it sucks, but that's just the reality of it. Um, I think the NFL is doing the right thing. It's about being able to make sure you have a good entertainment product in a marquee time slot because that's what the Thursday night games are now. That's what they're trying to make them. That's what Amazon is paying for. Go ahead and make that, make, make that standalone game as good as you possibly can, and having that flex scheduling late in the season gives them the ability to do that. So I'm all for them um, taking that approach because they want to continue to try to grow the game. Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin with Freddie coming to Aaron Goldhammer in their stead today on Freddie on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Staying with that, you played in this league. You understand the NFL. Mm. Chris, do you ever see a day where you say to yourself, man, this league really is too big to fail? Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you certainly you certainly have seen a lot of that over the last four or five years. It's been an interesting time in our country, but yeah, I, I've looked at the NFL and some of the things that they survived. I mean, even going back to um, the situation with Ray Rice and, mm-hmm. and the video coming out after Bell only punished him two games and all of the different, like you, you can go back and, and, and go through these things chapter and verse, but the way that the league continues to, uh, I guess, continue to print money. Uh, and and yeah. it's, 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 it's impressive. I mean, the concussion lawsuit where they were, <laughs> where they were found to have, you know, withheld information to players regarding their health and safety. I mean, you think about how they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation. It just seems like all of these, these, these big, big controversial events happening. And yet the NFL still finds a way to navigate it and they still find a way to, you know, increase revenue streams and, and, and continue to dominate when it comes to the sports and entertainment landscape. It, it really is impressive in terms of the growth of the league and what's happened over the last 35, 40 years. Chris Canty with us on Canty and Carlin, Aaron Goldhammer, Freddie Coleman. You know, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just wonder at some point they need to improve the experience of going to the games, Chris, in person, because the TV experience is just phenomenal. You know what I mean? I got my computer out. I've got my fantasy team. I've got my sports book app. I've got my – and you factor in all these things. Okay, man, 
We had a game in Cleveland this year where it was negative 10 degrees with a negative 20 degree wind chill for a team that went 7 and 10 this year. Like, you, you couldn't pay people to go to that game. And at some point, as a product, you know, if they keep telling fans that go to games, we don't care about you, at some point, the fans are going to start to believe them on that and not go. Tam, I, I hear you. I'm not sure that you'll ever get to the point where you won't have fans at the games, even though the in-game experience, experience is, is very different from the at-home viewing experience. I'll say this. Uh, like, like, It might not be a situation where you have a fan go to all eight or nine home games in a season. Yeah. But I think you do have enough NFL fans because of the interest in the sport, because of how gambling has made the – interest in the sport explode because of the coverage of it uh, throughout the entire calendar year. I I think because you have so much interest and because the league is doing a better job of building stars, uh, I I think you'll always have people that want to go and see it live. You'll always have that. And I think the NFL knows that they already have, listen, the diehard football fans are always going to be there. The NFL has already got them hooked. So they're not worried about what they need to do to make sure that they keep coming out to the stadium. What they what they want to do is figure out if they've got, you know, seven out of ten sports fans enjoying their products, how do they get the other three? And the way to first introduce yourself to the other three is through linear platforms, through television, through streaming, and, and, and so on and so forth. And so I think that's why you're seeing the NFL focus a lot of their attention that direction because, you know, in terms of – you know, making sure that they have, you know, sports and entertainment, um, you know, kind of locked down. That, that's what they're doing. They're trying to make sure that they rope in as many people, they make their products as mass as they can. And enhancing the television experience does that a lot more than the in-stadium experience. Now, I'm going to save my money for basketball tickets because, you know, my Nuggets are, are <laughs> wow. probably going to the NBA Finals. Oh, Hammer, you can't on. stay away from the Cleveland Browns. Stop it. You're going the, to the game. Exactly. <laughs> Who's he fooling? Twenty-two fifty. I, I think his Browns are going to be good this year, too, though, by the way. Uh, under the radar team. Oh, d- d- please stop with that. I, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Section 258, Chris, 2250. Do I go there or I'm looking at Section 120. Now it's in the corner for twelve seventy nine. I don't know which one has a better view of the mm. Nuggets. I, I know there's a view of the Lakers tonight. I bet you can get in and sit courtside tonight if you want. Down three games to none. Chris, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk soon. All right, Hammer. Freddie C, appreciate y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Tune in tonight. It's game four of the NBA's Western Conference Finals. I mean, you can tune in, but I think we already know who's winning this series, right? It's over. Lakers hosting the Nuggets presented by Indeed. Coverage starts 8 o'clock Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Up next, Mina Kimes on backup quarterbacks and Thursday night football scheduling. After this, from Freddie on NHTSA. Every day there are drivers on the road who decide not to buckle their seats. Some of those drivers will be ticketed by law enforcement. Some of those drivers who crash won't make it home. Buckling up is the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash and make it home safely to your loved ones. So don't risk it, click it, or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Well, we know that NFL owners care a lot about television ratings, but how much do they really care about fans that travel to and attend their games? Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Freddie Coleman. We are in for the guys. Mina Kimes said to join us in just a second uh, to talk about the fact, Freddie, that flex scheduling is on its way to Thursday night football. Now, Far be it for me to complain about this. I want the best matchups sitting in my basement. I want, if there's a hot team, I want them to pick up national TV games, and I want to see the playoff race up close and personal. But I understand how fans that try to plan six months in advance to go to a game, and they find out that it's getting moved from Sunday to Thursday, and they got to change their hotel and their work schedule. And this this whole thing can get very complicated for the NFL's primary customers. Yeah, I'm really surprised that eight teams voted against it the Giants Jets Packers Bears Raiders Detroit Bengals Pittsburgh they voted against it I'm surprised it was eight teams because as much as they love money they're getting billions and billions of dollars from Amazon Network to broadcast Thursday games I'm surprised that was eight teams I thought it'd be like maybe one or two because that kind of money yeah that kind of stroke that it gives your league it's yeah. not about the fans it's not about the players because yep. they know that people may hate Thursday night football but yes. more than enough people are going to be watching Thursday night football. Freddie, how when, when was the last time and I know your job, you know, prevents you from when was the last time you attended an NFL game as a fan? Has it happened in the last 5 years? It's, it has it's been about 10 years. 10 about years. 10, it was a preseason game. I, I got to say the experience, but I went with my wife a couple years ago. Yeah. And she didn't she it had been so long, she really missed the first down line. You know, like she was like, she I can't tell. used to seeing it, yeah. And, and I was like, you know what, Al? I was like, you're right. You're, it, is, it is such a great experience to watch these games on television. Let's go out to the hotline. We bring in Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Of course, you can hear her on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny Podcast. And you can follow her on Twitter at Mina Kimes. Mina, you saw the news. Thursday night football flex scheduling is on its way to the NFL. What was your initial reaction when you saw it? That, uh... Players are not going to love this. 
And the NFL is going to have to be very careful about pulling that lever because, as, as you guys know, that short week is a hot-button topic when it comes to injuries. There's been different data showing the impact or lack thereof, but I doesn't tell you that players do not love it. And if you have contenders who are forced to play on short weeks um, a disproportionate amount of time, I think you'll get a lot of blowback. The opponents, excuse me, the owners, they said they raised a variety of concerns when it comes to flex scheduling. Like Aaron mentioned, travel logistics and impact on fans. But realistically, they don't give a you-know-what about that. It's about the travel and logistics with money going into their pockets more than anything else. But what does it say about the NFL that, yeah, people will complain about it. But like I mentioned, people are still going to watch Thursday Night Football. People are watching. They're going to be a lot more likely to watch if it's not, you know, felt like Colts, Broncos, 800 times. I know that's the only (laughs) But um, Thursday night had some real stinkers last year. You guys recall, although there were games where you had, like, uh, I believe the Baker Mayfield Rams' first Rams start was on a Thursday night, and no one saw that being a great game and ended up being a great game. Sometimes you can be taken by surprise. But um, obviously, you know, the NFL on one of their uh, standalone nights wants to ensure a better entertainment product. I'm guessing Amazon, who... Had Thursday night football, probably had a voice in this. Uh, And, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things where um, the vast majority of fans just watch in larger numbers and it won't bother them until it actually impacts one of the players on their own teams. Mina Kimes with us, the ESPN NFL analyst, the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Mina, the new rule about the third emergency quarterback. Freddie and I are wondering to each other, why don't they just let all 53 guys be active on Thank game you. day? What 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 is the point of saying only 46 guys can play to begin with? Yeah, that, that's a, a curious one. I imagine some of it has to do with logistics and there's potentially financial or cost savings that um, we don't know about. The emergency quarterback thing, you know, felt like a no-brainer, obviously, after the Niners, uh, you know, were down to Brock Purdy using his wrong hand or whatever in the playoff game. Um, And, you know, it it felt like a kind of like a common sense rule change. I will say, though, I was (laughs) I wanted to see Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. (laughs) I I always do personally (laughs) like it when, um, you know, when when the quarterback, I mean, I don't like when the quarterback gets hurt on any game, meaningful game. But when there's always that moment when you're down to a backup, and then if the backups hurt, you start speculating. Well, which of the wide receivers played high school quarterback? And uh-huh. oh, he was the California. You know, I always kind of like that. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, no, for you know, for football purposes, this is an obvious decision. Speaking of quarterbacks, what quarterbacks the or quarterback or quarterbacks? Me, do you believe will be under maybe the most stress of any quarterback? Ooh, uh, scrutiny-wise, I mean, I, I do think Aaron Rodgers is a pretty prime candidate because of the expectations, you know, with that trade. Um, you know, he didn't force his way out or, or, well, I guess, you know, you can kind of characterize that different ways, but he, he didn't leave for New York for them to just win one playoff game, right? They didn't make this big move. Um, and, you know, moving on not only from their draft pick, but what they gave up and all of this, I feel like anything less than a playoff run would be a pretty significant letdown for a team given um, the expectations that people are putting on that franchise. Another one I'll throw out, and Aaron 
familiar with this one, of course, it'd be Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. You know, I mean, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. They give him this huge contract, and then he comes out and he plays worse than the backup, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, That's a football team that I believe is very good roster-wise on both sides of the ball. And really, the biggest limiting factor is the quarterback, unless he returns to his previous level of play. Mina Kimes putting undue pressure on the Browns with us. Uh, Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny podcast available wherever get you pod. If Mina keeps doing that, I'm not going to be promoting her podcast. You anymore. agree? No, I know you <laughs> no, agree. I, I totally. Yeah, I me. just like flying under the radar. Yeah, good luck um, with that with in Cleveland. But Mina, Mina, DeAndre Hopkins and Ezekiel Elliott are probably two of the biggest names that we think are still out there to potentially change teams. Obviously, Zeke is a free agent. Where do you think they both end up? Uh, You know, Zeke, I think a return to Dallas on a cheaper contract seems likely. Hopkins is a trickier and potentially more impactful one um, because I can name a number of teams that could use him. Teams like Detroit, uh, contenders really come out. Um, Carolina is a team that I think needs an extra wide receiver for their rookie quarterback, but the, the limiting factor there, the reason why a trade didn't, didn't get done uh, before the draft was is DeAndre's contract. Right. Very few teams can afford it. And I think for him to, for a trade to happen, Arizona and him potentially would have to facilitate that in some ways with the team either eating some of that contract for, you know, a better draft pick or Hopkins himself agreeing to a pay cut to join a contender. Mina, appreciate the time as always. Talk soon. Tell Lenny we said hi. Bye, guys. There's Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, who, who's Mina's dog, uh, and has great takes on the podcast available <laughs> wherever you get your True. podcasts. Up next on Canty and Carlin, a club pro at a golf course was leading Sports Center last night. Why? We'll explain. I'm Aaron Goldhammer, Freddie Coleman, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And Carlin, the podcast. The guy who won the PGA Championship didn't really win the PGA Championship. Canty and Carlin on ESPN <laughs> Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Freddie Coleman. We are presented by our friends at Progressive Insurance. You want to join the conversation? Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Okay, who is Michael Block and why should anybody care? Freddie, Mm -hmm. the PGA Championship allows PGA club professionals to qualify to play in their tournament, okay? One of the golf majors. Now, normally these guys finish like 25 over par, and it's just a thrill for them to be on the same golf course as the pros. But Michael Block did a whole lot more than that. Not only did he finish in the top 15 to qualify for next year's PGA, but his hole-in-one at 15 and his up-and-down at 18 – were the two coolest things that yeah. happened during this. We're not talking about Brooks Kepka on Canty and Carlin today. We're right. talking about Michael Block. He is ranking on the PJ Tour jump over 3,000 spots. He's now the 577 in the world. I'm thinking, how many guys are part of PJ Tour that he jumped 3,000 spots and he's still not in the top 100? Holy yeah. cow. It's one of those things where you always hear about the underdog stories, and it was finally something this year where people could talk about golf and not have to worry about a whole back and forth between the guys in the PGA Tour and the guys in the Live Golf Tour. Because here's somebody who, in 24 previous times of playing in a PGA Tour event, he only made the cut four times. This is the same guy that touched the lead during a PGA Championship, nearly touched the lead on Friday, 
Yeah. And then you had a chance to play along Justin Rose on Saturday and Roy McIlroy on Sunday. And then he said, when he didn't even know about the hole in one, Aaron on 15, he said, why is Roy giving me a hug? I'm not that nice of a guy. <laughs> he didn't even see the ball. Didn't go even in. see the ball go in. <laughs> you know, it just, it, it, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports. It really, the, the fact that this unheralded guy, Freddie, yeah. it's almost like that dream that you had, that you were sitting at your favorite team's basketball game and they call you out of the mm-hmm. crowd to shoot the game-winning free throws. And or, you hit it, yeah. Yeah, it feels almost like one of those. So I did some research, okay, okay, on Michael Block. He's 46. He is the teaching pro at Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club in Mission Viejo, California. And if you want, you can schedule a golf lesson with him right. next week. At the low, low price of $150 an hour. Okay. Now, what I'm wondering from you, All right. I think if you were an existing client yes. of Michael Block's, right. you stay at the 150 bucks. Right. You should be but grandfathered. For, for all the people rushing, like, shouldn't he rate, isn't he now worth more than $150 an hour on the open market? Well, you can definitely raise up to about 200 250 bucks, and no one's going to quibble. Then you can ease it up maybe a little bit more because now... You have literally in, in golf terms, you have that stroke if you're Michael Block because everybody saw where you were able to do the PJ Championship. And the best part for me was on the 18th green where he knocks in that shot. You would have thought he won the championship. It seemed like he got a bigger roar for doing that than for Brooks Kepka, who just won his third PJ Championship in the last six, year, six years and his fifth major overall. Those are the kind of things you say, hey, the, once in a while, the every man can have a 10 cup moment. Like having the Michael Block this weekend. So I'm actually looking up now. 45 minute lesson is 125 dollars, uh-huh. or a nine hole playing lesson is 500 bucks. Okay. I mean, if you want to play with a tour pro for nine holes, I think you got to donate thousands of dollars to charity yes. Yes. to have the opportunity to do that. So if if I'm Michael Block, I, I don't I don't want to go too high. Exactly. And I did just make over 200 grand finishing 15th, yeah. but. I'm worth, I mean, you got to, as the market changes, it's the law of supply and demand. I'm trying to come up with the right economic phrase. I just think he's worth more. I think you got to, immediately, he needs to communicate with the head of this uh, this <laughs> golf course and, and get, I'm not talking about 1000 an hour, but I'm with yeah. you, 250 bucks, not too much to ask for. And Give the should, man a raise. And you should have some numbers behind where you can say he had the first ace by a club pro at the PJ since 1996. Yep. He, had, he had the best 36 and 54 hole position by a club pro since 1988. He had the best finish by a club pro at a PJ championship since 1986. That's all you need. Put those numbers and say, this could be you. <laughs> if you get a lesson from this guy, yep. maybe just maybe this could be you. So everything has to come together to yep. make that storyline work. And I don't know what it says about golf without Tiger Woods. Yep. Without that star, people want to rally around. But a lot of people talking more about Michael Block on social media and uh, to- headlines crossing paths between sports and news. They're yep. talking about a guy, Bruce Kepler, who's going to be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, they ought to make Michael Block another Wanamaker trophy because he deserves one uh, yeah. for the amount. That, I mean, he really has won the PGA Championship. He didn't technically win it, but he's really won it. Why should you care about who Bob Laskin is, Freddie? Well, okay. he is the fellow pro. Yeah. At this golf course, Arroyo Trabuco. Okay. And I just looked it up. His rates are currently higher than Michael Block's. 
That's so, about that's about to change. That is, <laughs> I hate to tell old Bob, but he's not the most expensive teacher in Arroyo Trabuco anymore. As of today, as of now, for us here on ESPN Radio, Canty and Carlin are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can make every moment more, and we are presented by our friends at Progressive Insurance. Coming up, has LeBron won his last NBA championship? And if so, is that something that he really should be criticized for? He has a chance. Come back from 3 nothing down, something nobody has ever done in NBA history in the Western Conference Finals tonight. It's Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. Freddie Coleman with you on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.